With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. This is our last live show with a new guest for 2018. The next two weeks, we'll be on with replays of past shows, and Jack and I will be returning on Tuesday, January 8th for our next live show. So we want to wish everyone the best of holidays and happy and healthy, prosperous New Year. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, and along with my partner, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeverages.com. And Divizio.com. So how are you, Jack? I'm great. I can't believe. I can believe. It happens every year like this. And every year I say I can't believe it. But another year's coming right to an end. <laughs> I know. We blinked and it was over. What was your favorite part of 2018? You know, that's a good question. Probably spending the whole month of August with my family up in Chicago. I hadn't seen them in a few years. That was a really nice trip. How about for you? Awesome. I think mine's going to be Christmas. I'm doing something really big for my kid, and I'm sure he's not going to listen to this episode, but I'm still not going to say what's happening. It's just really big. Big, big, big. Well, I'm going to remind you, and you can tell us when we come back next year. How's that? Okay. (laughs) And we've got a fantastic guest with us today, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who she is? We have today Karen Stone, who's the CEO of Soft Stone Productions, who helps children become emotionally intelligent with her 45 years of experience in education, preschool through college. Recently, she became certified as an EQ practitioner through six seconds. She spent the last 30 years uh, being a workshop leader and keynote speaker and has published children's emotional intelligence programs that are research-based and have been piloted. Her focus is now totally early childhood as a brain, as brain research now stipulates that the emotional brain is developing the fastest between birth and six with EQ skills being critical for social and emotional learning as they are not innate. I want to learn all about this stuff, but first welcome Karen Stone to Leverage Masters. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be with you this morning. Or, oh my goodness, it's afternoon. Um, 
I'm delighted to be with you today and to share with you my um, passion and commitment for children's emotional well-being. Um, it's been a, quite a journey, 35 years now, um, probably going on a little bit more than that. And um, it's been an interesting one, and it's been one that I value and that I am looking forward to sharing with you. Well, let's start with what is it that you're the most excited about with your work now? And coming into 2019, what are your plans for the uh, first quarter or so of the new year that we're so surprised is getting ready to be upon us? Yes, so soon. Uh, It does. I think the older you get, the faster it blinks. Um, Yes. (laughs) I think today, you know, we have so much research today, uh, brain research, that is, uh, and what uh, child development is all about and what is happening with uh, in early child development. And so it it is become known and and um established that children's emotional brains grow the fastest between 2 and 6 and that just as we teach reading and writing okay we need to teach these skills okay uh to develop the emotional brain in the areas of emotional intelligence now emotional intelligence is the way we deal in the world, the way we relate to other people, the way we engage ourselves in community, um, how we handle challenges and frustrations, uh, how we manage our emotions. Um, And Daniel Goleman, back in 1995, he wrote a book, um, really the first one that made any kind of you know, demonstration that emotional intelligence was, you know, important. And he stipulated seven attributes of emotional intelligence. And they are uh, developing empathy, how to have self-confidence and stay positive, the delay of gratification, um, being able to manage our emotions, being accountable for our actions, um, being able to um, uh, sustain hope, and being able to persist uh, in the face of frustration. And so these seven attributes are ways that we deal in the world, and these skills are not innate. It's not something that we come here with. Just like we teach, you know, if we didn't learn the skills of reading and writing and we weren't exposed to it, we we wouldn't learn that skill. The same thing with emotional intelligence. If it's not taught and developed, uh, especially at this young age when that emotional brain is growing the fastest, then we have children and adults and, and so forth who are missing certain ways of being able to um, succeed and to move forward and to address you know, what is happening in, in, in their lives emotionally. Okay. You know, I don't know why. This is a really weird thing, but uh, I keep thinking of old Star Trek Next Generation things, um, episodes where they'd land on this planet and encounter a culture that um, very clearly had these things down and taught their children. The adults were emotionally intelligent. The kids were taught what you're talking about. And it was always presented as some sort of a utopian thing. 
And then, of course, Star Trek people had to swoop in and fix some problem or uncover a problem when on the surface it all seemed really perfect. But I just I, – and there's no, nothing to be said there except that I don't know why. It just made me think of those episodes where they always – and I keep thinking, man, if, but if we were a little closer to the, the, that kind of thing, it doesn't feel like we're very close. When you brought up adults, it's like kids don't have a chance at all in learning this. Uh, non-innate stuff if their parents were never taught it. And there are grown walking adults, like big decision makers too. Yes, <laughs> world, exactly. Really exactly. don't have this stuff. I don't know how you, how do we, how do we get a handle on this? Cause it seems like it's, it perpetuates in a way that make, confuses me as to how you get that genie back in the bottle. How do we, because there's, there's all these, this, even teachers, even people who are teaching our kids now are mm-hmm. not really aware of this. Everybody judges everything by IQ and not EQ. That's so true. And interestingly enough, EQ raises IQ. That is true. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes, and I know this to be true because my son was a person with disabilities and you know, his uh, IQ was very low when he was a child. And, you know, and I raised him with emotional intelligence and these skills. And, you know, when the last testing he had, he was close to normal. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yes. So yeah. I know that so that's I... true. And he happens yeah. to be the one of the most emotionally intelligent people I've ever known. <laughs> What Even do you more do so than when, me. <laughs> well, tell us what it's like to encounter someone you consider a full, well-rounded, emotionally intelligent being. What, what should it feel like to be in the presence of someone? Because I'm not sure I hang out with an awful lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there aren't that many of us around. <laughs> um, I would think, you know, the interesting thing is, is that um, – I I think that we all have pieces of it, but we don't mm-hmm. have the whole thing, you know. And being as I came to this late in life, okay, I wasn't six when I learned this, okay, I'm still developing certain areas of it and certain pieces of it. But it takes longer to do that once you've gotten out of that development stage, that's why the key is is to really teach children, you know, at a young age, these different skills. And that's why I created the Voices of CJ program with characters. And it's funny because you said Star Trek, and I, I have um, all my characters living in a play, place called Hard Play USA. And we <laughs> travel to Hard Play USA <laughs> to meet nice. my characters. That's where they live. And nice. each one represents a different attribute. And um, the main character is CJ, which stands for creator of joy. And all children love being creators of joy, love being CJs. And I give them seven voices, okay, that they, if they use these voices and they, you know, uh, start to understand what these voices are, okay, and how they can develop them, well, before you know it, it becomes just part of their language. It becomes part of who they are and how they, you know, walk in the world. 
everything is better when you start learning it at a young age, I assume. Oh, absolutely. Um, everybody, everybody says that about music, languages. Mm-hmm. Um, it totally makes sense that this, is, this goes right with that. Which brings up a selfish question. I, we'll come back to the children. What about us poor adults who are continuing to fight demons that they've recognized? And I'm saying they as if I'm not talking about me, but they all know I'm talking about me. Uh, and I, I've gotten to meditation. I've done, you know, a lot of seeking and, and things. And I've isolated in my younger self where – I had not something so harsh as a flaw, but to me, they feel like flaws that I continually have to argue with. I, I continually find myself, that's not very high on the EQ scale. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Why are you, why are you reacting to this this way? You know, and we're all under constant tests right now with our world the way it is. Yes, it, definitely. Everybody's coming into real heavy contact with their emotional IQ level, whatever it may be, and on a daily basis, which is another thing that we could talk about is just the stress of having that constantly tested in a, you know, in an emotional war zone that we're in sometimes now. But it's really weird that how deeply ingrained I feel like some of the things that I either did or didn't learn at a young age have how well they've clung to me as, as late as 50. I'm still recognizing them. I'm happy to be recognizing them, and I can, you know, it's like turning on a light and, and all the cockroaches scatter. It's really nice to at least recognize when I'm doing something I don't like. And then, you know, but it keeps popping up. Do, do adults have any chance having no real serious emotional <laughs> quotient training um, when they were young of actually reaching a point where we might be satisfied with where we are, or is it a, is it always going to be work? You know, that's a very good question and actually a very complicated question. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's very complicated, but it's an easy, but there's an easy way to address it. And there's an easy way to just, you know, be, be in the, in, in present in the moment. Okay. With it. And I think that, you know, we've we've all had our history and we have our triggers and we have things that, you know, just, you know, all of a sudden we're in that emotional moment, okay? Actually, an emotional, with, with children and, and, and adults and emotional intelligence, those triggers are, all go, are always going to happen. How do we deal with them? How do we manage them? And how do we, you know, move forward and and let them be less and less and less triggers? In other words, let the energy in them dissipate. And I think that yeah. comes from practice. Anything that right. we want to do, right? Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna get a better, if you're gonna become an ice skater, you gotta practice. If you're going to, you know, play the piano, you have to practice. And as adults, I think if we want to develop EQ, I think we have to understand it. We have to understand how we, you know, what skills we need and just practice. And that's why I want to get children young, okay, so that we raise a new generation of children, 
we need to raise a new generation of children that have grown up with this and lived with this. And I really believe that if we do that, we're going to have a happier, more peaceful world. I really believe that. Yeah, and it takes discipline, I've noticed. For me, um, you know, growing up uh, unwittingly undisciplined about being in the moment, even being aware of what that meant, and uh, it's led to um, nowadays having a pretty healthy uh, mindfulness practice with meditation, mm-hmm. breathing mm-hmm. exercises, things like that. Uh, it's not easy to do that on a regular basis. And I blame that. I guess I'm looking for something to blame on not having any discipline for almost a whole lifetime. And sometimes I find it really hard. And I've heard from others that they understand and they've even had great experiences with meditation. They've even had peak experiences with mm-hmm. earth chattering stuff. And, um, but even after all of those things, we find it hard to, you know, stay on track and keep it going on days where there are some times when I'll tell myself, I'm cool and I'm so busy today, um, it would be fine for me to miss my meditation uh, because, you know, I feel good today. Well, mm-hmm. I only felt good that day because I did it yesterday, <laughs> you know, and, that I, and it starts to wear off and then you get out of the loop and it, it takes a lot of discipline. Um, for for at least me or adults, maybe adults like me, but it's not just an automatic thing. But then I've taught my kid things that I felt like I didn't learn, and and I got him at such a young age that he does things that I find difficult effortlessly. He yeah. does them and w- without even thinking, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. at once, I'm I'm proud of him, and in another sense, I'm very jealous of him because mm-hmm. <laughs> he makes I it look easy. I know. You know, um, it was interesting when I when I um, started the pilot program, you know, in a preschool in North Jersey, you know, and the kids are like sponges. They just absorb it. And it just becomes part of who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they just do it automatically. But, you know, there is, there is, you know, I practice my children's program all the time. Okay, I I yeah. actually practice that program because it's easy and because you can do it right in the moment. You know, you yeah. don't have to sit down, you know, take a moment to, med- you know, pra- ha- I need 15 minutes to meditate. Well, this is easy yeah. because you can do it wherever, you know, you can practice this wherever you go. And, and that's what kids do. You know, and and we're all still children in many, many ways. And if we can just, you know, become that child again and just do it in the moment, okay, then we'll be meditating and being in the present moment all the time. Can you you share? Is this this something uh, easy enough to share today? Maybe something that we could do? Because I don't think anybody here, certainly not me or Gina, but even our listeners would care at all if this is designed for kids, because I think we all understand that universal things really don't have an age situation. (laughs) You know, they don't have an age requirement or limitation. So I don't think anybody here would mind if, if you shared a little bit about what, what it's like, like, you know, I don't want to have to sit down and, you know, on a pillow and 
light incense and get the music going and all of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, on Mm -hmm. that day that I skipped, that's why I did it, because I felt like I had to do that in order to get into the space that I had trained myself to get in. takes me a while. would love to have a little trick. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and and myself, too, you know, for a while I was, you know, every day, 10 minutes, you know, doing my yoga in 10 minutes. But now, you know, life happens and certain things come about. So how do we practice it on a daily, you know, how do we navigate it into our everyday lives? Okay, what do we do? All right. So, you know, um, in in kind voices, kind, you know, speaking, giving gifts of love. Um, that is that is being empathetic. We can do that, okay, every single day. We can go out into the world, and that's like a meditation, okay, mm-hmm. and just share something. We we are the voices we hear, okay. We, whether they're good, they're positive, or they're not, or they're negative, we do hear them and we do take them in. That's one thing that I want to teach children not to take them in. You know, to to that they don't have to take in those negative voices like I did. Okay, there are other voices. There are more positive voices. So, but kind voices is just sharing with other people. You know, like we teach. I teach the children to just walk up to. You know, I I really like your shirt today. And mm. and now, if somebody says that to you, how do you feel? Weird at first because people don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, but why don't they do I that would, anymore? You know why? I don't. No, I have no idea. But I just realized there's a big piece missing uh, that used to be there. Stuff yeah, like that used to happen more. Yeah, here's why. Because this is what people do when you know if I if you said to me I really like that shirt you have on today, Karen, and I go, oh, this old thing. Oh, you know what? It, 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 it really isn't, you know, one of my favorites. Uh huh. How did you, how did you like feel? Me. How did you feel? It. Uh, we just had a conversation not too long ago about, about something like this a few weeks ago, uh, and and I and somebody asked me that same question, and I said it feels like I got blocked. It, my energy that I was sending out there yeah. got blocked. You got and, rejected. And, your yeah, love got it, rejected. Your kindness and, and your love got rejected unintentionally. Okay. Yeah, but it also did something to you. For you to say that, you, yep. you being the block also did something to you, which I can't put into words, but it feels like it wasn't a good situation for either party. No, and, and, and me, I don't want to say a nice thing to you again. Yeah. That's why we stopped doing it. Because those are that the reactions total sense. we get. Yep. And, yeah, and I, that's, that's me my whole life. Taking a compliment uh, to this day is very difficult. And if I have enough presence of mind, I'm very proud of myself for actually catching it in time before I open my big mouth and say exactly <laughs> what you just said. Because it's such a knee-jerk reaction at this point. that That's, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. If, these things are a challenge, much more so than I ever thought. I thought one day I really got full of myself. I'm enlightened, and, and you know, I feel really good about myself. I feel like I've conquered all of these things. I've climbed all these mountains. And then I got really humbled very shortly after that with things like this. 
that I have to constantly be mindful. <laughs> I can't just say, hey, I did it, now let's go do something else, because I found myself slipping right back into my old ways immediately. Yes, we do. We do. It, it takes 21 days to lose a habit, okay, to, to change that, okay, but... but we don't spend we don't spend 21 consistent days doing something no. but we really do have to be mindful and we really have to accept people's kindness because then that that kindness spreads that kindness you know that that then that person will turn around and say you know that felt good i think i'm going to do it to somebody else i'm going to share something nice too because that really yeah. felt good but we're not really aware of how we feel about things as they're coming at us or as they're you know, as they're happening. Okay. Now, um, uh, I was bullied as a child. Okay, and that's how uh, both at home and at school, and um, picked up some very negative understandings about myself. And um, one of the things, and and so in order to teach the children, okay, how to stay positive. Okay, and how to, you know, deal with that. I created this little thing that I teach the kids to do that goes, can I have a happy thought, please? (laughs) (laughs) Now, the idea when you're teaching language is for teach children what happy thoughts are. So we have to practice what happy thoughts are and give them all the different kinds of happy thoughts they can use. And it's, do you have time for a quick little story? Absolutely, let's do it. Okay. There was a young girl um, that I was working with at, at a school that I was in, and she looked like me all those years ago with a little too much weight on her and awkward, and, you know, and she was picked on all the time. The boys just picked on her all all the time. So I said to her, so she came up to me one day and said to me, oh, Miss Stone, she says, you know, Miss Karen, that's what the kids call me, Miss Karen. Miss Karen, she says, she says, how can I stop those boys on the playground? They torture me every single day. So I said to her, well, you know what? I said, you know how we were talking about happy thoughts, and can I have a happy thought, please? Okay? You can stop that negative energy, okay, not by saying something back or saying don't talk to me like that or whatever, but if you come, if you approach them in a way, okay, that doesn't, you know, negate them in any way, uh, and I didn't quite say it to that extent to her but i said if you approach them in a in a in a different way i bet they'll have a different reaction she says well what do you want me to do and i said i want you when they come to you there were five boys that would torture her every day at lunch and i said when those boys come to you i want you to say can i have a when they start bullying you i want you to say can i have a happy thought please she looked at me and went she says i can't do that I said, well, you can. I said, but it's going to, you have to be very strong and you have to be very courageous. I said, and this is something I said, you will feel so good about yourself after you do this. 
I said, you wait how great you feel, because I'm telling you, something's going to change. Unbeknownst to me, she does try this, okay? And the five guys, uh-huh. the five little boys come up. They were about eight or nine years old, I guess. And, and she said, can I have a happy thought, please, when they start bullying her? And they all just stopped in their tracks, and they looked at her. And they just stopped, and they started again, and then they walked away. The next day, they come again, and she says, can I have a happy thought, please? And this time, two of the boys just walked away. Didn't give her a happy thought, but they walked away. And three of them continued to, you know, torture her. And all she kept saying was, can I have a happy thought, please? At the end of five days, they didn't come anymore. Huh. Wow. You know, yeah. it reminds reminds me of um, in another life I was uh, uh, in conservation full-time, um, environmental stuff out west, and I ran into all kinds of different people. One guy was a wolf biologist who was uh, studying with the newly released wolves in Yellowstone, and it was the hottest time because they were just put back. And so everybody was out there filming them, studying them, following them around, counting them, you know, all the, all the stuff that scientists do. And um, the guy had a spotting scope on a few wolves that were chasing something. It was very far away, but he had a really strong scope. And uh, it was a raccoon they were chasing. And he was like, oh, well, let's watch this play out. This raccoon is doomed. There's three healthy big wolves chasing it. Um, and the raccoon is kind of in the middle of nowhere. He finally got to a point um, where he was close enough to the tree line that the scientist was like, he might just make it. If he jumps from that tree, he may just actually make it. And, and you know, he found himself rooting for the raccoon, even though he's a wolf biologist. And what happened was the raccoon made a very weird choice for prey species because prey species don't make – um, logical choices when they're in a heat of, you know, running away is the mm-hmm. best thing that they know how to do. Mm-hmm. This raccoon mm-hmm. knew that if he, it just seemed to the biologist, the guy I was talking to, he's like, it seemed like he knew if he made the jump, they would catch him in midair. It was going to, the jump itself was going to be his doom. Mm-hmm. And instead of jumping, like most prey species would, he turned around and backed himself up against the tree and, and started to look fierce. He, he said, I could see his teeth. All the way from across the valley in the scope, I could see his teeth, and I could just imagine he was growling, and he was just making himself real big, and the wolves stopped. (laughs) And they didn't know what to do, because wolves never, ever have a prey species of any kind turn around and face them, unless it's a buffalo or something that thinks it can take them, but certainly not a small, timid creature like a deer or certainly a raccoon. And this raccoon backed himself up against the tree, got real big, got ferocious and everything, and they didn't know what to do. And they sniffed around for a little while, and they eventually left. Wolves left. Mm-hmm. Raccoons mm-hmm. stared down wolves. <laughs> and that's almost exactly like when you were telling that story, I'm like, that's exactly like the, the raccoon a little bit. A lot less right. She probably didn't show her teeth as much, but, uh, yeah. I, people yeah. don't know what to do when you come out of left field. It's a pattern interruption. Exactly. It's a pattern interruption. 
And not only that, but, you know, she felt strong. She felt brave. You know, and I gave her those words. You know, I said, you felt strong. She says, yeah. I said, you felt brave. She says, yes. And I said, and you felt powerful. And she said, yes. I said, well, now, I said, this will take me into, you know, um, the six-second affirmation uh, thing I do with, do with the kids also, and I do myself, actually. If you have a, you know, if you're thinking a thought that is not positive, okay, about yourself or the world or whatever, believe it or not, it only takes, that's why they call it six seconds, by the way, the organization Six Seconds mm. that, that, that teaches emotional intelligence to uh, adults and business people. Uh-huh. It takes six seconds for your brain to change that energy. If you give it positive energy, if you start saying something that is positive, okay, your energy will change, and it only takes six seconds. So I believe it. Yes. So that's where affirmations are wonderful, and you just... In your own little mind, you just go, and I do it all the time, okay? I am powerful. I am good. I am lovable. I am kind. I am generous. And if you do that for six seconds, you'll be in a different frame of mind. That's how you help manage your emotions, too, along with deep breathing. Deep breathing is very important because that's how you re-energize the brain in a positive way. By drawing in oxygen, it's it's a strange thing that I still notice uh, when I do deep breathing that I I wasn't I I was feeling fine I thought I was feeling fine and maybe a little off and so that's why I started doing the deep breathing but you never really realize how just off you are until you start taking those breaths and feeling the relief from them each exhale just like, holy cow, I was way more wound up tight than I thought I was. Yeah. I was really more stressed out. And I've, I've come to assume now that any time I think I know what it is, I just multiply it by a little bit more, and it's probably more accurate because it's always uh, kind of mind-blowing. When I get out of a short meditation or breathing exercise or something, just how much I feel like I've, I've come down from a really high, tense place that I had no idea I was that high or tense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can say, Jack, if you have a thought, Jack, can I have a happy thought, please? I see that to myself all the time. If I find myself, you know, frustrated, I'll just go, Karen, can I have a happy thought, please? <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And that changes where I am, and I just stop. I stop and refocus and get mindful of where my mind is and where my, you know, my energy is. And and can you imagine if we start to teach children to do that? Oh, my man. goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think there could be a whole world of study just on the physiological effects of that. If And maybe there are. Maybe, there are, maybe you can tell me. There are studies. There are. there are studies, yes. For kids that are very young age, so we got them really early and we're studying them versus a control group that didn't have the mm-hmm. training and just exactly. on their health, so about disease and things like that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, wow. 
Well, I already know what what should happen. Don't I mean? Isn't it just in my gut? It's not scientific, but there's a lot of science going on in my gut, and it tells me <laughs> that uh, that that they're going to be better off. I mean, we've already had all the studies, enough studies on stress itself in any age person and how it affects the body. So, if someone's EQ is pretty high and they work to maintain that. It just goes to show, and I think maybe these are just one of those scientific studies that you're just waiting so that we can put the stamp of science on it, but we already kind of know probably what's going to happen with that group against the control group. You know, that's true. But, but you know, we, we have that study for cigarettes, okay, for smoking, and people still yeah. smoke. It's much better, but look how many years it's taken. Right. Okay? Right. Exactly. That's why, you know, I believe with all my heart and soul that, and if I had had this as a, chi- as a child, oh, my God, I would not have had to suffer the emotional pain that I have suffered as a result of those negative voices I heard. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and the choices I made as a result of it. And so, exactly. you know, and I, yes. And that's why I created CJ, you know, my character, seven-pointed star, you know, um, and each point of his star is a way for us to be emotionally intelligent, EQ smart. And and CJ, okay, and, and well, CJ is like my buddy, you know, so I have to, you know, I try to be a CJ. <laughs> um, but it takes us longer if we teach children to do this when their brains are growing the fastest between birth and six because that's when their emotional brain is active the left brain really doesn't kick in where we teach reading and math and writing that doesn't kick in to almost age seven and so we're overstimulating left brain okay and the right brain does not get you know, stimulated appropriately. And people think that reading and writing is why we become successful. Actually, the 80% the reason we're successful has to do with emotional intelligence. See, 80%. now I can, I can cite my new friend, Karen, when I'm trying to tell people in my weak way, but it'll be stronger now, the, the difference between... You know, a lot of people like to say, um, well, this person isn't as bad as you think because they're college educated. They're smart. They're yeah. intelligent. Mm-hmm. And intelligent people don't do what you are saying that they do. And I keep trying to say in those situations, it doesn't matter. First of all, college is a business, and they'll take anybody they possibly can while trying to maintain the idea of high standards and only certain people. But they're a business, and they want as many students as they possibly can get into their ranks. And, you know, and then they're like, oh, hmm, okay. <laughs> Never thought of it that way. So a lot of people can go into and graduate college and come out not really that much more intelligent than you would imagine <laughs> uh, on an IQ scale. And if they don't have the EQ to back it up, or have, have never been taught that, then they've got a subpar education that we're giving them way too much credit for on an intelligence scale, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they don't have any EQ at all. Or, well, or you know, we have, we have so many of these very smart people, and 
And, you know, they, they learn over a period of time that their IQ and their smartness and their abilities do not create emotional happiness. Yeah, you and can use your IQ to, to get a good job and buy expensive right. things and become a really good consumer and find yourself very, very miserable. And that's something and, – and, but on the book, exactly. it looks like you're supposed to be completely satisfied. You have the car. You have the success. You have mm-hmm. all of these things. Why am mm-hmm. I still miserable? Yeah. And I think that's a that's huge epidemic, especially in first world countries where we shop like crazy uh-huh. for no reason. For no reason, exactly. And you know what? That's what that's what started me on this journey. You were because a shopaholic. No, 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 <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I had a thing for shoes at one time. No. Well, I think we all fall prey to that at one point or another. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, um, I, 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 I turned, you know, a certain age, and 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 you know, I was. Married for the second time, and my husband left, okay, and I was devastated. I was devastated. And, you know, and I couldn't, and all I wanted to know, and here, I had just finished my master's degree. And I found out that I wasn't really stupid at all, IQ-wise. And so I wanted to know, well, if I'm so smart, why aren't I happy? Mm-hmm. Why can't I make my life work? Why can't I make decisions that are healthy for me? And that's how this all started. And that's when I started to go to workshops and I started this spiritual journey and the self-help. You know, I did all that back when it was, you know, very popular. And um, and I started, you know, to understand. And I got the understanding that I wasn't happy because of the voices I heard as a child. And I and that my choices had to do with those voices. And how could I create a better way? Okay, and I didn't want children. I love children and I and I've worked with children, you know, and I wanted to create a better way for children not to have to experience the pain that I experienced just because of the voices they heard. Yeah. And that's how CJ came about, because kids love characters. And I wanted children to have a character that they could relate to, somebody that they could, you know, use as a mentor, somebody, a character that could give them a feeling of goodness and lovability. And then I started to create all my other characters. (laughs) I have... You know, uh, ten all together. And wow. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I have a, a YouTube channel. It's a family. Yes, it is. And I created that way, and they all live in Hard Play, USA. And um, I this past year, which I'm so excited about, I created a YouTube channel with all my characters teaching the seven attributes of emotional intelligence to young children. Through my characters. Wow. This is starting to remind me of the movie that's either out or coming out, and you probably already know what I'm going to say, but what's up with that Steve Carell movie? Have you heard anything about it? That uh, I guess he 
was bullied very, very violently or something. I've only seen the trailer. And he oh, created yeah, this Marvin. world. Marvin. Yeah. I haven't seen that, it. Yes, I'm looking forward you? to... You know what? I'm looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, but I haven't it's, either. It's probably, I, just, I just started... Yeah. That popped into my mind when I when I started thinking that you created this world. You really mm-hmm. have created a world for kids to go into that's a safe place. And yep. I mean, just think of... I wonder how many kids that you've turned on and will able to just create their own worlds. Do you encourage them just by example that that you know you did this whole thing and they can come visit this one anytime they want, but can't they create their own too? Sure, they can, but they also can you know you know if they if if they're feeling you know emotionally that you know, they're upset, they can get sweet soulful sugar and she can give them affirmations that help them feel better. And, you know, if they made a bad choice and couldn't find a happy thought, they can get Bozy, you know, Bo's nose. And, you know, so I've, and hug a heart. If you make a mistake, you can always give yourself a big hug or, you know, hug a heart reminds us to give our, you know, to love ourselves even when we make mistakes. On YouTube, you mentioned your channel. Can you, um, What's the name of it so people can find Children it? Children Become EQ Smart with CJ. Okay. And if you put any iteration of that into the search on YouTube, and you will certainly yes. find it, I'm sure. Yes. Not only that, but you can go on my website, EQ for Children. Okay. Simple domain. And they're domain. all on nice. there. All my characters are on there. And my YouTube channel is on there. And also there's games and activities that the children can play so that they start to learn emotional intelligence also. for uh, um, I'm a learning disability specialist by profession, and so I developed it by developmental age, like 3 to 5 and 6 to 8 and uh, 9 to 10. This and might be games. a little bit of a... Oh, go ahead. No, no. So there's games and activities on there to help children understand who they are and, you know, and, and to have fun and to play with the characters. Yeah. So we have a lot of business owners who listen to Leverage Masters, and I wonder if you might take a stretch, because this is probably exactly the area that you work in most of the time, and just give me some ideas on what you think it would be like if, if somebody is in you know, working on their business, working on their personal life, it's all the same mm-hmm. to us. We don't separate mm-hmm. personal and business here. But no. if they worked on these EQ-type things, what things would get better or easier um, for them in their business, would you imagine? And just the struggles that a typical business, because you're a business person too, so you know the struggles that, a, oh, that yes. you've been through. <laughs> how, <laughs> how does it help you in your life in terms of business? Well, you know, I think I think you have to separate out your business self and from and your inner self, okay? Sometimes, okay. So whatever mm-hmm. happens with CJ, I don't let it affect, you know, who I am as a human being and who, you know, how I walk in the life and how I relate to, to other people. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know that that because business can be frustrating. Okay, and it can take a long time, and it's taken a long time for me, and there's been, you know, many disappointments and many failures, and at times I felt that that was because of me, okay, and that, that I, you know, 
that 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 spoke to who I was as a human being. Yeah. But that's not true. You know that that has not that's not true. You know uh, it, it it it's just what is okay and and you know for me I had to learn that this is about timing for me. And this is about, you know, when when the universe is ready or when I'm ready, okay? And and but but for me as a human being, I don't let whatever happens with CJ affect who I am and what I believe about myself. Is that that sounds healthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, think a that lot of that... people do probably get wrapped up in their in their. And maybe I'm able to identify where their business ends and they begin or vice versa after. Right. Because you said it was so hard, and that's the reason. We work really, really hard. Entrepreneurs just do. And, yes. you know, we're we're burning a lot more midnight oil than the average person with a 9-to-5 job. Everybody knows all the statistics. It's very, very difficult. And, and it's it would be very easy if you weren't being mindful to completely lose yourself in that. And then if somebody attacked your business or didn't like one of your products and left a bad review or something, I mean, I've watched restaurant owners go completely over the edge with yeah. bad Yelp reviews. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm, I'm, uh, emotional intelligence and how important it is for children, right now I'm on the cutting edge of that, okay? But, and for years people thought I'm nuts. Yeah. Okay. And, and you had to uh, go through all of that. You had to yes. make it through that with some sanity at the other end of it, right? Yes. And my, I had no support from my family. Absolutely none. Mm-hmm. And they, Sounds they, typical. Hmm? Sounds typical. Yes. <laughs> and they thought I was wasting my money, I was wasting my time, I was hurting my children. You know, so many different things. But I had to learn to separate that out from what I believe, okay, about me. And that this is, this is something that is important to me, and I can't allow the voices from outside to determine the decisions I make anymore. Yeah. Okay, it's, and I think... It's a little bit scary when you get to that part. You know, some philosophers call that the void because you have sort of... That's a good way of putting it. I never thought of that. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's because you divorce yourself from one thing that has, for all its faults and the misery that it caused you, at least it was a foundational infrastructure within which you found yourself and your identity intertwined. And then you cut that off. A lot of people do this with religion. They're like, I am really not digging this religion that I was told I was, I was when I was little. And, uh, and, but at the same time, I, you, only when you're in the void do you look back and go, I did find some weird, odd comfort in the fact that these people really thought they knew what happened after you die and things like that, and now I no longer have that. But I also am not reaching for another vine to swing on. I don't know where I'm going, and, and I always I found myself in that. I didn't know... Um, I didn't have a word for it until I found it, and and I heard uh, I think it was Alan Watts call it the void. And yeah, that's, that's a scary place to be if you if you find yourself stationary there. It's only a place that you're supposed to find yourself on your way or getting soon on your way to something else, another structure that supports you, the way you believe and think and everything else. And that's why people like you are saviors. 
Because if you find somebody in the void, you have a whole system. You have a whole city <laughs> that they can go to. Yes, yes. And, and you know, and that void is so important. The void is so important because that's where we find who we are. That's yeah. where we find our real purpose in life. That's where we find our goodness and our lovability. That's where we find that, okay, in that void, in that not having an answer, not having to control it, not being able to control it. That's where we really find out who we are and what we're made of. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a place uh, to get on with it then and go use your new found mm-hmm. skills delightfully in the same world that was frustrating you the day before, uh, you know, <laughs> can be really delightful when you're looking at the same exact world because the world's not going to change around you. No. It'll be exa- exactly the same. Your business mm-hmm. won't change. If you were having trouble yesterday with the books, those troubles will be here today. Uh, but the way that you deal with them might actually get rid of those problems a lot faster than if you had continued on. Um, but a lot of times I see people get stuck in that, and they're like, ooh, I'm in the enlightenment trap where I'm just kind of floating. I'm like, I don't, I'm just, mostly I just feel detached. And it, get, it really gets to people, and I know because I was there, and I took it really hard. I tend to take everything magnify it a lot higher than mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like people do around me, and, and that hit me hard. I was like, wait, but what do I do now? <laughs> I worked so hard to get here, and now it's kind of scaring me because I feel completely detached. Exactly, exactly, and and but filling the void with something that is not healthy for you is where we really get caught. Yep. Okay, that's and done really, that too. <laughs> yeah, and and that's why we need to have healthy, you know, healthy ways of just being with the void. Yeah. You know, doing something fun. You know, playing, play, you know, watching a movie. Um, I had something yesterday that really, you know, uh, kind of triggered me, okay? So I sat for a few minutes in the quiet, and I just was quiet because I know that's what helps me, okay? Instead of reacting, I just got quiet. And that's what you have yeah. to learn. You have to learn to just stay there. Stay in the place that's uncomfortable. Stay in the place that isn't, you know, um, what you usually do. Whether it be you go for a walk or you do some yoga or you take a deep breath or you just get up and, 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 and step outside for a few minutes, that makes a difference. That really helps you. When you learn to deal with that void, and then thank you for sharing that because that really is important. When you learn to deal with that void in a healthy way, wow, you will really, you know, understand who you are and be stable in an unstable environment. Yeah. I think it can hit people really hard like it did me when you – you don't have a plan. You didn't know you needed a plan because you yeah. didn't know this was going to happen. And mm-hmm. and you're born into a world where everybody's like, it's okay. Here are all the rules. You're um, you're Catholic. 
you you wake up at this time, you go to bed at this time, here's how you clean the house, here's how you mind your parents, here are the laws, here's how you drive, here's the side of the road you drive. I mean, you're so conditioned into a system that already exists mm-hmm. that you're completely lost in it. And you're just... Um, you can feel like a drone. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm sure it works for bees, and I'm sure they, they smile and stay happy in their own way, but I don't want to be a bee. I don't want to be a drone, you know, and, and humans humans just don't. And so you're like, all right, I'm going to bust out of this with no plan for what happens if if that actually happens and you bust out of it. You kind of need a, you know, it, it would be great to catch people in in that situation, but often I think, you know, you just don't. It's just such a haphazard thing. And I think people like you who are standardizing and bringing into the, uh, bringing into the world and, and culture and language the things that you do, I think people who just run into you, just parents whose kids you're helping, you're probably a really great help to the parents too. And the parents probably weren't even expecting that. They were just like, help me with my kid. I want to know more about how I can help my kid grow up better. And then all of a sudden the parents are getting something out of being around your program as well. You know, it's really interesting, you know, that um, there's an interesting thing that I've had to really say to parents, you know, that, that I'm learning. Okay. Um, it's not, this isn't about being, this is not about good parenting, you know, like teaching your children right and wrong and things like that, okay, or providing for them food and, 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 and you know, nurturing and, and that kind of thing. This is really like teaching them how to read and write. These are skills that we need to start to teach children at an early age because this is what you do at this age. These are the things yeah. they need to have at this age. Okay, you can be the best parent in the world, but you don't know what's going to happen to that child when he goes out. He can be he can walk out your door and be bullied. Okay? As soon as he gets on that bus or as soon as he walks in that room. And every parent needs to understand that you want to give your children the skills to be able to take care of themselves, to emotionally be able to keep themselves safe. I wasn't been able to do that. Most children today are not able to do that. But I believe that if we give them these skills at a young age, they'll be able to emotionally keep themselves safe. And that's what will change our world and the world we live in. And and that's what will help parents raise their children in a different way. Bring them up in a way that the children themselves become, you know, part of a family who learns how to you know, relate in a very loving way, who learns how to, you know, share and to communicate. You know, communication is a big, we don't have much of it today, you know. Everybody's on their phones. I mean, this is affecting us dramatically, that we go to a dinner table and everybody has their phone. Yep. Okay. And I'm talking two, three, four-year-olds. They have their little, you know. Oh, wow. I thought you were just talking about the teenagers and the adults. (laughs) No, the little ones have their uh, 
they're little video iPods for watching videos. Wow. Yeah. We don't have well, guess, that. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that. We did that. But we were very um, – he didn't take to it. I think our kid saved himself in just the way that he popped out with some capabilities I, we didn't teach him. And he wasn't really into – it was really strange because he wasn't into toys like I was when I was a kid. And, and he didn't play the way that I did. And it wasn't because I, I mean, because the only thing I knew how to teach him, I tried to buy him like hot that, and stuff just didn't happen the way I thought. And he just popped out. I we just got so lucky. I just feel very, very lucky um, with his. So we'd show him screens and things, and he would just put them down after a while when he was satisfied. And and I'd look at other kids, and they weren't putting them down. Like they were like, give me the next movie, give me the next thing. And I'm like, exactly. I almost thought there was something wrong with my kid. At one mm-hmm. point, if you can believe that, like, what's wrong with him? He doesn't get into these things that, you know. So anyway, let's let's run through the, uh, the it's EQ, EQ for Children. Say the uh, domain name again, and also uh, they can find your YouTube channel on here too, yeah, right? Yeah, com. Okay, excellent. And they um, can reach me there through that too, okay? And, okay. um and I'll come visit. I love to speak. I love to come, you know, and share, you know, share what I love and what I feel is so important. Um, and Children Become EQ Smart with CJ. That's my YouTube channel. Okay. Well, Karen, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today. Um, really, really appreciate it. What a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And Gina. Yes, I am here. This was awesome. I am still here. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> and I'm so sorry about the sound. I, Jack, I had been on mute the entire time. I ended up double muting, and you still said that I was being hurt, so I apologize. <laughs> it was no big deal. Anyway, have a fantastic holiday, everyone. Thank you so much for being here, Karen, and we will be back next year with a new live guest. And you know what? Thank you for this opportunity. I am so grateful. Thank you so much. And thank you for all your questions, Jack. I mean, it was terrific. He is a great interviewer, isn't he? Oh, he is. He's terrific. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks again. Okay. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.